Hi guys, welcome to Colin, Calling All Useful Idiots. We are very excited to be um, doing this Colin. Uh, some, let's see, some announcements. One, make sure if you don't already that you subscribe to Useful Idiots on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash Useful Idiots. Also subscribe to Useful Idiots on Substack. That is usefulidiots.substack.com. And you get bonus content, extended interviews. We're doing this great new thing called Thursday Throwdown. Uh, which is where we do media analysis uh, that doesn't fit into just Sunday mornings because that's what we do on Monday morning, our Monday morning show. Um, also, uh, for instance, this week we did a great thing with uh, Brianna Joy Gray. Uh, well, we we did a re- we reacted to Brianna Joy Gray, um, uh, her beef, her online beef with um, Joe Circioni. So that was great. Um, so. Again, just go to uh, usefulidiots.substack.com. Uh, I have some more announcements, but let's take our first caller, Brent. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. So, um, so I'm here at the Kamala Harris rally for like because the, the um, voting's tomorrow, and um, I was watching some of her videos online and. Um, she sounds kind of convincing when she says that we need to um, arm Ukraine because they're a sovereign country and they deserve to be protected from an aggressor country. And that um, if we don't protect countries like Ukraine from aggressive countries like Russia, um, it sets a dangerous precedent where um, Rush- aggressive countries like Russia can continue to um, use their power to... Um, force countries to give them what they want. And my question is, um, if we keep uh, making settling with aggressor countries like Russia and saying, okay, um, we don't want to fight, so um, let's make a peace deal where you get a certain portion of our country, does that set a, a precedent where any um, big country could go to, to, say, another small country and say, we're going to invade you, but we could we could settle if we get part of your country. Does that how do you um, kind of prevent that precedent from happening? Pre- prevent that precedent. Okay. Well, first I'm gonna I'm gonna invite. I, I forgot to do something very important, which is at the top of the show introduce our guest co-hosts. So Aaron Mate oh. is on a flight right now. So we have the wonderful Rania Kalik from Breakthrough News. So she's gonna respond to that in a second. But I also forgot to announce that uh, a lot of you know I was censored and um, fired by The Hill over my uh, video that I wrote uh, and filmed, which they didn't release, uh, laying out why Israel's an apartheid state. And when that happened, I brought that script to uh, Rania Kalik and Breakthrough News, and they're the guys who filmed my video that released, that we released, released by Breakthrough News' channel and by my channel. It's gotten over 130,000 on my channel. And I think like 80,000 on, on theirs. So that's, you know, you can do the math a lot. Uh, over 200,000 views. Uh, and speaking of which, I'm doing, everyone who's in the New York State area, or really New York City area, tri-state area, on November 15th at the People's Forum, which is where Breaking News' headquarters are, by the way, at the People's mm-hmm. Forum, I'm doing a live taping of the Katie Halper Show, which is always a great time, if I do say so myself. And I'm going to have on with me, Miko Pellet, who is the son of a decorated Israeli general, 
who the, this his father, the general, wound up uh, went from being this decorated general to being a critic of Israel, who met with Palestinians to try to figure out a way to solve uh, the occupation, basically. Uh, and then Miko, the son who I'm interviewing, has become a one-state solution advocate, human rights or, um, activist, author. He's going to talk about uh, the one-state solution, about the Israeli occupation, about the elections that just happened. Uh, he's a fascinating perspective in life. And not only was his father a decorated Israeli general, but his grandfather on the other side was a signatory to Israeli independence. So his voice is incredibly interesting. Uh, and that's at the People's Forum. Uh, and that is uh, Tuesday, November 15th. Uh, doors open at 6.30. Show starts at 7 p.m. So please mark that down and come. It's going to be a great show. Everyone yeah, in the New York so area. Sad I'm not going to be there, but yeah, everybody should absolutely go. The People's Forum is such a, a cool space, and I'm sure it's going to be such an awesome yeah. uh, conversation. And I also just want to promote something real quick too, Katie, can I? Yeah, I just course. say to those who are on here, uh, make sure you follow me on Calling, because I also have a show, The Rania Kalik Show. Follow that as well. I, I do yeah. weekly episodes sometimes with Katie. So Yeah, which I've been on. Yeah, it's great. And uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So, so, so that, oh, the that. actually, so I forget what the entire question was. I just wanted to say, actually, that the caller had said the name Kamala Harris, who I actually forgot existed. Yeah, I know. Oh, Who's yes, because she's having, she's having a, um, I'm actually at her, there's a rally here. There's a bunch of, a bunch of police and stuff. It's, it's at UCLA. Um, they're having a, she's having a, like, get the vote out rally. And, um, so I decided to watch some videos of her because she's trying to use abortion as a, a tool to um, get the Democrats to come out and vote. Yeah. And I did some research and I found out that Obama could have, co he promised to codify, codify, um, codify yeah. Um, so I think he, he could have, he promised to sign the People's Choice, Freedom of Choice Act. Mm -hmm. And he promised to do that um, when he got into office. But when he got into office, um, he said it wasn't a priority. And Joe Biden did the same thing, basically. So basically, it's I could conclude that they're using abortion as a tool to get people to vote. Right. And um, another, but uh, the question I was asking was another issue that Kamala Harris spoke about, which was about the Ukraine war. And she spoke about how important it is to help sovereign countries like Ukraine um, arm themselves against aggressor countries like Russia. And um, basically, she suggested that if we don't help them, then um, countries like Russia could basically um, do whatever they want and invade country, other um, innocent countries. And basically, she suggested that um, by if we don't act, the U.S. doesn't act, then um, it, it sets a precedent where uh, countries like Russia can basically do what they want and then um, basically settling, not uh, providing weapons and just um, calling for peace um, would basically, basically allow... That she was saying that if we don't stop Putin, there will be a precedent for Putin <laughs> to what Putin did. Right. Well, what's this, it's funny because it's completely like uh, that is a very misleading comment because strong countries already do whatever they want to do. It's not like when it comes to the United States, the United States does whatever it wants to do to invade right. whoever it wants to invade without any consequences. It bombs, 
it breaks international law all the time. I mean, international law really is only ever applied to the weak. And also America's best friend Israel has literally annexed whole huge pieces of territory and added settlers into them. That it's like the height of hypocrisy to be using Russia as the example of setting a precedent. The president is already there. Uh, and it's just a super, like, you know, it's just the, saying that is, is, is really just a way to, like, rewrite actual reality to serve. Right. It's, like self, it's completely self-serving. And I'm not surprised. I've heard, I've heard U.S. politicians continue to say that. But also the U.S. arming Ukraine is what's makes it, making it more likely for this war to continue. And because Ukraine actually is the weaker power here, Russia remains, even if Russia might be losing sometimes a battle here and there, Russia remains the stronger power. The longer the war goes on, the more Ukraine will lose. So if the U.S. really cared about Ukraine, like main, keeping some of its, like keeping its territory, um, it wouldn't have provoked this war through NATO aggression in the first place. And that's not to take any blame off of Russia. I mean, Russia did invade, but the U.S. played a huge role in provoking that invasion. And by continuing to arm and just pour weapons into Ukraine, they're going to make sure that this continues and that Ukraine is further destroyed. Yeah, Brent, sorry, I mute, Brent, I muted you because there was some noise coming in. But uh, hold on, let me let you back in. Any more questions? Any follow-up? Any follow-up, Brent? Okay, I guess not. He got, he got hypnotized by one of Kamala Harris's amazing videos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they, they don't be too, uh, yeah, be careful. Don't get too uh, seduced. Wrapped up, yeah, yeah. yeah She's, exactly. I mean... <laughs> She's real popular. Yeah. All right. Let's hear from Jose. Hi, Jose. How are you? Oh, Heidi. I'm uh, I'm doing well. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Thanks. Good. Thanks. Yeah. All right. You know, uh, I, I I do have some remarks for for Rania. Uh, first of all, BT News is, is awesome. I found out about you guys after the uh, Bronx fires. Um, mm. happened earlier this year in January, and uh, that's something I've been doing a lot of work on. I've contacted cool. some CUNY professors who've done like work on how these fires spreads and how it's actually all one thing when you look at, at the way diseases spread and fires spread. Po- the conditions of poverty are what allow these things to to basically flourish, and so I'm hoping there's some way we can collaborate on both the state level and also on the federal level, because I have recordings of me sitting with Senator Gillibrand's um, uh, National Security Council, this guy named Frank Brumell, we gave him a 40-minute briefing on the Narodvoretz kill list and on the CDC list. And so for her to say, well, this list isn't what you think it is. Um, Wait, it just the absurd. CDC list? Oh, the CCD, the Center for Countering Disinformation of oh, in C- Ukraine. Okay, yeah. got it. Sorry, people, I get the, not the CDC. If they don't know, tell them about both of the lists in case people don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, so the Marat Varets, if you just Google Marat Varets, M-Y-M-Y-R-O-T-V-O-R-E-T-S, Marat Varets is a uh, uh, Russian language or Ukrainian language uh, database full of names, has children in it also, and um, they put the word liquidated over anybody who dies, and all these people are, quote, accused of being information terrorists, Um, people like Wyatt Reed. Ava Bartlett have done extensive work on this. The second list, which is more recent, is by the Center for Countering Disinformation um, in Ukraine. And that one actually receives federal funding from the United States. A lot of the money that was sent over to Ukraine 
Some of it was used for non-combat research, such as this information terrorist list. And, uh, you know, some of my associates happen to be on that list, and it consists of like 80-something people. Tulsi Gabbard, Rand Paul, Roger Waters is on it too, Glenn Greenwald. Um, all these people are quote, uh, being accused of Russian propagandists. And so, you know, I gave this yeah, briefing to Senator Gillibrand's Office. I'm all the way in Lebanon, <laughs> but like yeah, so, some of our, I, mean, I just got, too. I just got back to Lebanon uh, recently. Um, so some of our I'm people are in some New York, so that's definitely possible. Collaborate oh, on that. That's really uh, crazy. I, yeah, York I remember that too. being covered, Bronx, uh, so. back in January or February, I think it was, and then the national oh. media sort of ignored it and has continued to do so. And then everybody just sort of forgot it happened. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. Wow, I can't yeah. believe we did it all. Well, you guys, you guys did really good work on that because um, you guys made Eric Adams look like a fool because he tried to blame the the tenants themselves for it. Um, and that's the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about. I also get the story out because Eric Adams, I went up to him and he asked me to put together mm. a policy proposal with a group of people. Because I had these CUNY professors, I had students. I basically built like a coalition yeah, of New Eric Yorkers Adams who knew what they were talking about. Not and I presented it to him, and then he basically just blew me off. And well, you know, the, the Bronx has had widespread fires this summer that hasn't been reported on. Also, so <laughs> you know, right? Jose, you're based there, right? What? What was that? You're based in the Bronx. I'm in the South Bronx, the Boogie Down. That's right. I, I love this And place. you confront, what, did you confront Pompeo recently? Was that you? That was me. That was me and my friend Kynan, yeah. How'd that go? Well, you retweeted it, so I was happy. Because whenever you retweet the interventions, I always think, okay, it passed the Halpert litmus test. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> I noticed you retweet the ones you like. So I'm like, okay, good. And, and, and that was, um, you know, I was so shocked to see all these young students who were, like, in their early 20s. I thought, okay, other people have to be here to, like, boo him or intervene. But no, <laughs> these are all, Christ. like, snotty, and, snooby, and timer, elitist, Pompeo. you know, privileged kids who were there to really hear what a great guy Mike Pompeo is. And I just, I was flabbergasted. So, Where was it? This was in Yale. Right. This was in Yale. So you yeah, yeah, which, which yeah. by the way, I told you, yeah, I got my license. I drove up there. It was fun. Nice. So, and then I did the I did Biden uh, last night. How was and, that? Uh, oh, the man! You know, all, I was the only one who was grilled by the cops afterwards. I was so upset. It's like, all right, come on. I get everybody else who did it was white. I was the only one who wasn't. Wow. But damn, man, these guys really need the. They did just like, what are you doing here? Oh, you drove here? Oh, you think you're gonna leave wow. your car? You're in private property. I could have them towed. I'm like. They didn't ask for anybody else's identification afterwards, but that's guess that's just what you deal with. Anyway, other than that, I actually didn't even say anything to Biden. I actually went after Bowman, and I didn't even put the video up because he spoke before Biden. I wanted to just kind of get in his head a bit, and uh, that was fun. Um, but yeah, no, my friends did Biden, and we just stuck to the message. You can't win a nuclear war. It's up on my Twitter, and I appreciate you retweeting it. 
I hope you can get Aaron to see it because, like, you know, he likes to retweet these things too. And, yeah. uh, and Max, also, they're cool. But anyway, yeah, no, I just kind of wanted to come up here and totally not bug you about the interview or anything like that, you know. Yeah, that's coming out this week, the interview I did with you. I'm just behind on everything. No, listen, I'm the same way. I'm the exact yeah. same way. I, I, <laughs> one thing after another, and I'm, yeah, no, don't worry. I, yeah. I don't mind. It's Go all ahead good. and stay on, um, uh, the Katie Halper show. So we're going to release the Patreon only uh, with him uh, this week. Yeah. So anyway, I don't really have much else. I'll be in touch with BT News and I'll be at the People's Forum. So, And I think everyone oh. should too. Yeah, hey, I did. And also, everybody, me. once again, make sure you follow me and call in. <laughs> don't give me a reason to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Bye. All right. D. And Ron, you make sure you tweet this out. Everyone tweet this out. Yeah, me too. Guys, let's get to That's 300 listeners. Now. We're at mm-hmm. 115. Right. I mean, no. Hello. <laughs> but yeah, hey, yes and no. Hey, it's a big contradiction. Hey, uh, first of all, uh, life works, hey, but it's Ronnie, hard for a lot of people. St- Ronnie, are you still in Lebanon? Okay. And it's everything's cool over there? Uh, yeah, um... Yeah, I, I definitely want to visit there. But my, my the, the two takes I have are um, I'm increasingly I'm increasingly convinced that what Biden should do about the Ukraine. I mean, I'm much more, I guess, more friendly or more on the Ukrainian side than I guess most people who are, who are I guess, of my political beliefs. Hmm. But I do think Biden's going to eventually have to say to, to, to uh, Zelensky um, that we're going to have to have a, a deal where basically Russia keeps Crimea and Dinsk and you don't join NATO and um, we will protect you in, in, in case of further attacks. Um, and Biden, to me, the biggest thing to me, I think, is Biden is going to have to be convinced that if he takes the hit for this and Zelensky blames him, that he is going to have backing of people politically back home. And I think that 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 to me is his biggest fear, because I go back to Afghanistan and if you look at after Afghanistan, all these anti-war people, particularly on the right, they didn't really give him any sort of plaudence. And um, I don't think anti-war people sufficiently on the left supported him because if you look at his approval rating, it, it went down immediately after the Taliban took over. So I think that's something he's going to have to do. And I think people who are criticizing him for his handling of the Russia-Ukraine conflicts are going to have to be just for the purposes of being good faith and for political purposes, are going to have to back them. It won't be good enough, in my opinion, to just say, oh, Biden finally did it, but he's still a neocon. They're going to have to throw their weight behind him. Um, and then the second point I wanted to say is that the results of the midterms, I think, have the potential to have the, the, the most uh, media fails because I can always already see that the narrative will be that Republicans did well because they are the party of the working class and Democrats are the party of the rich. But but I just wanted to say that Democrats statistically do much better with poorer voters than Republicans do. And Republicans are the party of the $100,000 and $100,000 a year people. So I, I, I just wanted to make those two points because well, that's going to be 
What I is actually tick me think off that is that is absolutely ludicrous if anybody thinks the Republicans are the party of the working uh, class. And it's true. Republicans I mean, it's not like the there might the be some working class, class people who support Republicans. I mean, neither party is the party of the working class. But certainly Republicans are way more to the right on economic issues by far than Democrats are, which are, who are also right wing. So it's just not true. Like Democrats, yes, they suck. But I do think, yeah, we have to always be careful of getting into the territory of like, because Democrats suck somehow that means Republicans might be better just because they hate Democrats when actually like they both suck. One's really bad and the other one's even worse. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even to me, it's disappointing. Not that not that people need to cover everything, but I do find it interesting that certain voices are quiet about Elon Musk, the richest oh, person yeah. in the world, basically endorsing Republicans. Like, there's no way you can tell me that if Elon Musk were a blue check PMC liberal and was like, everybody and needs to vote for Democrats. The reality today, is that the tomorrow, majority of that people wouldn't be going after people. The majority but of since average he, people like, But since he's voting for Republicans, I mean, the same, the same voices who are shows. the working class whispers have nothing to say. So uh, I, I, and they're not I find paying that attention to these kinds of conversations because life is really hard um, and they're busy like working jobs that they hate and don't get paid enough to work. Uh, so it's just, I, I mean, I'm just saying, like, it's like we don't, to, they don't, they're not watching cable news on Sunday for the most part, and they're not online watching us on Twitter, and they're probably not watching what people on YouTube are saying either. Um, and in fact, the mass, like, it's like half the country that's capable of able to vote doesn't even vote, and it's interesting to me that nobody ever talks about those people or why they don't vote or what that voter apathy is about and how to reach those people. Yeah, and I think well, I, I don't I don't think it's necessarily people watching. I do, but I do feel like that influences the discourse. Like in other words, Ronya, I think, and then, and then I'll hang up. But I think that a lot of a lot of particularly people who don't like white PMC liberals and are in these circles, they push the media narrative, which is a powerful one, that Democrats are the party of rich, the rich, and. Because that's all their friends. It's why you have like this former CEO of Levi's who's like been given all these bylines for saying, oh, yeah, she doesn't like the mandates and everything like that. And she, and her and she, she even wrote in her article, yeah, Democrats look down on you if, if you have Budweiser instead of an IPA. And it's like they're basing their entire experiences on their own circles and ignoring the fact that there are a lot of working class people, particularly when you consider yeah. the abortion issue, when you consider the um, things like the student loan debt uh, issue yeah. that will vote for Democrats. So I, I think that's going to be some of the biggest media fails is the coverage that we're going to get. But thank you for taking my call. It is, it's 6.30. It's 6.30. I think I'm seven hours ahead of you guys now if you had daily savings. Sorry, I muted myself. Yeah, thank you, D. All right, let's go to the next call on No War. No, we do. Lebanon changes it. Uh, but they change it when Europe does. Great. Okay. Yeah. Hey, no but thank you. Thank you for thank you for respecting Good morning, the time difference. Katie. Good morning. <laughs> evening, probably for you, Rana. 
You're on you. Yeah. Is it eight thirty <laughs> or five thirty or six thirty? I mean, in uh, Beirut. Okay. Well, you guys don't change your clocks, right? Okay. Okay. Like last weekend or the weekend before. I, I'm a respectful gentleman sometimes. <laughs> um, anyway, I think you nailed the points that that the first caller uh, uh, was mentioning about about uh, Kamala. It's really disingenuous for any leader to talk about uh, another nation's imperialism and invading countries um, against uh, international law. Like we've been doing that for decades, so. You know, Kamala should just shut the fuck up. Uh, Jose, who was in the line, it's nice to hear from you. Don't agree with you on everything, but God damn it, finally somebody's going and 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 uh, harassing these politicians who vote for endless war and making them, you know, embarrassing them. We need somebody to do it. I appreciate Jose doing that. That's that's great work. Um. Uh, anyway, I was gonna ask uh katie and rania or especially katie i haven't followed this controversy with uh uh brianna and joe serencion you give like the 30 second reader's digest version of well kind of what's been going on go to our uh useful idiots.substack.com join that and you'll see we do a whole takedown of it when was that i'm i am a member i'm a paying subscriber uh, it was Thursday. Uh, it was on a Thursday. Down. Okay, I didn't listen to that yet. Okay, yeah. I will check that out. Great, thank you. I will uh, call it there and let the next caller come up. Thank you for your time, guys. Take care. Thank, thank you. Okay, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Um, okay, don't know what happened. Gator. Hi, Gator, unmute yourself. <laughs> hey, Casey, how you doing? Good, you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. I'm just kind of wondering what you two sort of would predict for the midterm uh, outcome, because um, this is this to me is sort of all just looks ridiculous and predictable in the sense that with COVID as it's, uh, sorry, with uh, Ukraine as it stands now, everything that's happening has largely been predicted by re- credible analysts going back months. Um, and so going into the midterms, do you, do you feel that the predictions that um, the Republicans are going to run away with it, but then that will trigger elect- election fraud or stroke steal narratives from the Democrats is going to happen or is something else going to happen, do you think? Sorry, say that again. What's the last thing you said? Yeah, or do you think something else will happen? Because there's a few, there's a bit of a, you know, expectation that the Republicans will run away with these midterms, but then the, but then the Democrats will will revert to the Trumpist election stolen kind of narrative. Do you think that's going to happen, or something else will? Yeah, I think they'll resort to that, and also foreign interference. Yeah, you'll suddenly have a lot of Graphica reports being like. Uh... There was interference in each Senate campaign that a Democrat lost. And you know what? The thing is, there probably is some sort of interference in some cases in the sense of like, not from foreign actors, 
But literally, like, we're, like Democrats make such a huge deal about foreign actors when the actual threat is like all the gerrymandering and the yeah. redlining and all of the cases in appeal in like courts across the country that make it up to the Supreme Court, even in some cases, that make it so that like Republicans can rig the system to make sure they win. And Democrats don't say anything about it. Like, it's if you actually cared, there is something you could do, but, like, you don't actually care. It's almost like they like to lose. Also, there are all these, like, scary election monitors, poll watchers, who I'm sure are going to intimidate voters. Yeah, and they can, like, bring guns with them in some states. I mean, but Democrats, like, don't, they, like, barely make a big deal about it. It's like the way they are in abortion. Like, they don't make a big deal out of it. They just kind of use losing it to raise money. Yeah, they make a big deal out of it. They just don't do a lot about it. Well, they use it to make money. They they use it to like to like get donations. It's like like the way they acted when abortion rights were actually taken away. They were like, "Oh, this is why you have to donate to us," but like they have no action plan for doing anything about it. It, it just seems to me that this is kind of like rats fighting in a sack because <laughs> I mean, you you've basically got um, you know, the whole election steal argument being when it's been run by the right or the Republicans, denied by the left and Democrats, until it's their time in the in the sack, and then they and they roll out the same narrative, and it's but the, but the whole thing is so ridiculously transparently petty that it doesn't seem to make sense to me for them to be this blatantly reversionist in 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 the narratives that they select because if the Democrats lose and then revert to election stealing then they open themselves up to just having to admit that there's a possibility that any of the prior elections was, have been stolen since George W. Bush and the hanging chads issue. It, it just doesn't seem to... It almost defies logic, because what you're saying to, to, to your own citizens is, guys, just, just don't have a memory longer than a year. Just forget everything you've ever heard over a year old, and this is the current truth, and you don't need to think about anything else. Nobody is that dumb, surely. You'd be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see what's going to happen, but I think your warnings are correct. <laughs> okay. Well, look, thanks a lot, ladies. Take it easy. Have a good one. You too. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Matthew. Unmute yourself, please. Okay, great. There you go. What's going Hi. on, guys? Great show this morning. Glad to see my, <laughs> my two favorite hosts taking over useful idiots. Sorry, Aaron. Your time's up, brother. <laughs> um, also, I'm going to, I also want to help everybody go into your call in search bar and put the Ronya Kalik show. Follow the Ronya Kalik show. Yeah, it's a good call in show. You won't regret it. We have good times over there. And the case um, show. Katie Hopper show, of Bump course. Help Rania get the Katie Hopper bump. Help Katie get her up as well. Yeah. Um, everybody work together. Um, yeah. Um, I kind of, I kind of wanted to talk, but I kind of wanted to ask you guys if, if you saw because I think like two or my schedule. I just got on a new schedule for work, so my sense of time is kind of messed up. But just like a couple days ago. Uh, Taibi did a call in with uh, Klippenstein on the intercept piece about we had uh, the DHS working with. Go ahead, sorry. Sorry, we also had him on Useful Ideas this week. 
Right. Yeah, like, I thought that was such a, yeah, I thought that was such a good uh, piece and an interesting interview, but, like, I don't know, did you notice, like, well, maybe this is what I'll ask your guys' take on as well, because it seems like to me that Klippenstein is also kind of, like, half in, half out, like, I guess there's, like, let me try and, like, put this, like, let me steal man, my friend, uh, Klippenstein. There seems to be this idea that we need to be taking misinformation seriously, but then the concern is that the DHS has left it so open that anyone could be censored, but isn't kind of, that's what everyone against the misinformation narrative was saying in the first place, right? You know what I mean? Was that like, you you think right now it's just for the Trump people, but like, it's always going to come back on the left. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I also think it's like the conversation is starting in the wrong place. Yes, that's true. Like, it's because of who's in charge of the country, meaning like we have a country that is run by like corporations and oligarchs. There's no way that you're going to have policing of speech that's ever going to be a benefit the left. It's the left that's going to get shut down just by the nature of what the left is saying that actually challenges the status quo. But like, we're also starting in the wrong place because like this talk about misinformation doesn't make any sense when we have a media apparatus that lies to us every, every day. Right. Like everything that's considered the truth and, 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 and is considered legitimate uh, news organizations are all owned by billionaires and corporations, like literally 90% of the media that we consume in America is owned by like five or six corporations. And there's so much misinformation there. They lie us into war all the time. They lie about the economy. Like, on all, on all, like, across the spectrum, we are lied to every single day. And, like, you're going to tell me those people are going to decide what constitutes misinformation? Right. So it's like the conversation isn't even starting in the right place. And also, there's no talk about media literacy here. Like, there's always going to be media that lies, But that's why we need like media literacy in the U.S. too. And unfortunately, like the way media is funded is messed up. We're not really taught to critically think quite the opposite. And that's all for a reason. And it's like those are the conversations I feel like we should be having and that aren't being had. Totally. And like I think it also played. Sorry, just real quick too. last point, Um, because that just reminded me, I think that plays into to one of the clips you guys showed this morning of. um, one of these Democrat strategist people, um, I think it was a CNN clip or something, or, N- or NBC or something, where she was like, oh, the, you know, the problems aren't the facts. The problem... Yeah, that was Hillary Rosen. The, uh, that was the... Hillary CNN, Rosen. Hillary Rosen on State of the Union. So that's uh, CNN, I believe. Uh, no, ABC, whatever. Right, uh, right. ABC. One of those no, shows. No, CNN, CNN. CNN. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, the, this idea that like, oh, the problem isn't the facts, the problems are, the problem is the messaging. Right. Like this, and I think this kind of also plays back into the previous callers, um, what he, what he was talking about, where it's like, Democrats, they've given up on any kind of positive, like they've left the realm of positive political action to the Republicans, and the Democrats are just like this negative, negative, right. Part, like, yeah, it's all a negative platform, and it's just like, 
their idea is like we can just PR manage our way back into the White House every four every other four years. You know what I mean? By pointing like, out how bad the Republicans are. Right, and so it makes a and it, it, it yeah, and so it makes a lot of sense to me that it's like the main push for the narrative control apparatus that we're seeing now is from the Democrats, but like it also makes a lot of sense to me that that doesn't necessarily mean that um, Republican uh, voters will be our common ally in this because they'll always have the fall when it's their turn. You know, they'll always just have the fallback of. Oh, national security, just be paid. If you don't have anything to fear, right. then you don't got to worry about it, you know? Like, it, we're, it's such a mess, this, like, two-party. Uh, it's such a mess. But yeah. I, it's great to see you guys out there every day, breaking it down, helping us uh, find the, the juicy clips, and uh, helping us keep it all in perspective. And I really appreciate you guys. And I hope you stay out there doing great work. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Make sure you, you subscribe to Useful Idiots at, sorry, YouTube.com slash Useful Idiots, YouTube.com slash The Katie Halper Show, uh, Useful Idiots at Substack.com. Yeah. Like our All videos. of those. Thank you. Yeah, you guys, you guys do great work and you put a lot of production, like, research into your, oh, today, uh, having guest hosted today. I now yeah. know that. Yeah. It's well done. Thank you. All Watch, right. Yeah. Now, what do we got? Let's see. Um. Low key. All right, low key. Okay, are you guys good? Are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm doing all right. Cool. Uh, all right, I'm gonna fire off my questions. Um, I think. I think a big problem on the left is that. They allow they allow the right wing to kind of take the center narrative, you know, to assume that you know that they're that what the right does is the normal thing, and then what the left does is the anti-normal thing. When in reality, peace is the normal thing, war is the abnormal, you know, growing food, you know, naturally without chemicals and all that stuff is the normal way, you know, bioengineering is abnormal. And, you know, all these, you know, everything, you know, anti-corruption, you know, be be pro-honesty, you know what I mean? Like, just just the fact that the business as usual is stated as the negative and the negative kind of is kind of taking the place of the positive as a as the centerpiece of the conversation. And I think that's kind of a Orwellian mind trick that's done on people that I think, you know, anybody that says they're for media literacy or honesty or transparency, people have to fight that kind of narrative. And I think, you know, even a foundation for media literacy would be fucking great. Yeah, and it could be a really not a partisan thing at all. It could just be people that are tired of bullshit that, you know, that could get aboard. But um, I think I, I forgot, I was, I forgot what I asked, uh, Aaron Mate uh, the other day, and I respect him as a journalist, but he, it kind of pissed me off what he said he, at the end. He, I, I wish he was here so I could say it to him directly, but uh, he said the left is divided, is really divided, and that's the way it is. And I, I take uh, issue with that because, like, people are often divided on purpose. 
you know, people are set against each other for the most trivial fucking reasons. And, and a lot of times that's by design. Of course, human nature is petty and selfish and confused and all that stuff as well. But, you know, oftentimes it's, it's amplified for, for whoever's purpose, like whoever, whoever feels they have something to gain by your suffering or by you fighting with your neighbor. So you don't fight against them as like a, a stronger united unit there. They'll come with you, you know, just like the, the black Panthers into the bloods and crypts or Paul Robeson being taken out in a moral way to, so Malcolm X and Martin Luther King could, you know, rise up a little bit. And, and I think at the time I was at Booker T Washington too, but that's, that's another thing, but like every, every movement is kind of, divided into factions and then the kind of the little cracks in the factions they just drive a wedge there and they keep pounding at it so i don't i don't think the left needs to make the cracks any deeper you know what i mean i think we gotta yeah we have to be able to unite on issues that are important as it seems the right wing does or at least they're they're rallied into it and we think oh you know there's you know being simple-minded you know, as kind of a sin, but if you can at least be simple-minded on feeding children and providing shelter for the homeless, getting people who are addicted off the streets, punishing the ever-loving shit out of, uh, you know, these cartel-like uh, pharmaceutical companies that pushed opiates all over our country and fucking banks that that have looted the American economy and yeah, they're just the ones that are buying seem, they seem to intentionally be destroying, you know, the economy to, to buy up stressed assets and kind of just take over more and more uh, public things and turn them into private things and, you know, bring us into more tyranny. But I, sorry, I said a lot. You guys can, you guys can go ahead. <laughs> So your point is that of course we should never downplay, uh, downplay that, but also we shouldn't. We shouldn't um, like take it as the neutral. You know what I mean? We should take it as the default. Exactly. We we should think of that the default should actually be something stable, like right. something De- reasonable. Default. That should be the default, default. not yeah. not whatever this thinking is. You know, in the mainstream at the moment. Okay, I'll try. I'll try next time. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with anything you said. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Drag Aaron next time he's on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks. All right. Joshua. Uh, Loki's so smart, and he's definitely a tough follow today. Um, and I don't lick boots of anybody, any of the callers or any of the hosts. Or I don't flirt as much as I probably should, but uh, you guys do a great job, too. Um, I just want to talk about the Uniparty Theater. 
Um, and, uh, you know, both parties are working for the rich and the oligarchs. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the activism that's going on now where we're calling them out in public, which I think is beautiful. I also want to talk about a third party. Um, I really, really think that there's a lot of energy for that right now. And that voter apathy that you talk about, like I have my voter guide in front of me right now. And uh, I keep getting people telling me to vote. And I keep resisting because I'm like, what is the point? Um, I actually had an indigenous friend uh, set up their voter guide next to a sage thing. And I'm like, I'm thinking of burning my ballot, too. Um, so I, I just so I'm one of those apathetic people where I and I have wrote in, you know, Mickey Mouse and other people for races over the last few years just because it's like, what's the point? Um, and I kind of want to dig into how we get to a third party leveraging that voter apathy. Um, and then the final thing I'll say in regards to Colin and some of these other uh, characters on here like Iggy and Schnarf and others and Derek and Rudy is we end up getting in these rooms and talking about this stuff on Ukraine and the, where the country is at. And there's some really smart people talking in some small rooms that are getting it right. And uh, we're kind of I think we're, it's very uh it's invigorating to see things like Jake Sullivan now, uh, Aaron Mate covered this last night, um, reaching out at least. And we're, it seems like we're trying diplomacy, but we're kind of fainting at it like mean girls would. Um, so uh, that you know, is encouraging, I think. And I think that that comes from uh, people letting their voices be heard, even when it's hard and you're the minority and not letting people shout you down um, with disinformation because you've done your homework. Uh, so I didn't mean to go this long. I wrote some notes. Uh, hopefully that made sense. And uh, uh, let's uh, talk about the uh, third party and the voter apathy if we can. Yeah, I, I, I mean, third party. Voter apathy, I think, is a huge problem. And third party, I mean, we do need we do need more than Democrats and Republicans. And I feel like we need a better word than third party because the problem with third party is we need like 10 parties. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? We need like 10 parties, like a third party isn't enough. And that's why other countries that have more democratic systems actually have like more than three, more than two, more than three parties. Uh, and even some car parties that are, or some countries that are like one party states that we would call authoritarian, have more local democracy because people actually vote on local issues in ways that we in the U.S. do not because we have zero control over our economic system locally, let alone federally. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Katie. Oh, no. I co-signed that. I oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So 10 parties, guys. We need yeah. 10 parties. At least, yeah. Yeah, at least. All right. Thanks, Joshua. Let's go to Nick cute dog neck. Hello, is audio working? It is. All right. Um, well, thanks for the show uh, and uh, for doing the calling. And, you know, hearing Brent talk about Ukraine and asking the question about, you know, should we set the precedent of, um, you know, countries toppling others at the whim and everything. I think most of the people here, like, already see it this way, but we should have been asking that question about appropriating however many millions of dollars years ago starting towards toppling Ukraine's sovereign government. You know, I remember hearing him talk about innocent countries, use the word innocent and sovereign. It's 
it's not an innocent random country, you know? So that's kind of, you know, one comment there. And I have a brother who was in the uh, Marine Corps and he just is a very staunch kind of um, down the line, um, take the official story um, and also will shout you down if you try to talk with him about this kind of stuff. And I remember just saying, you know, that, um, the fact that we agreed to not expand NATO and then did kind of like, we have to kind of consider that it's not like a problem in a vacuum. Again, there's this framing misframing that is so, so successful and pervasive. And he really, my brother was just like Putin talking points, you know, and like literally raised his voice on the phone. And that's the kind of stuff he does. And a lot of people do, it's just the, the, the framing is so successfully, um, distorted on that issue. So that, and I, you know, I also happened to be at the Kamala Harris rally and I'm really lucky because I actually, you know, I'm here with Kamala Harris and, um, she, you know, she really only understands things in terms of Venn diagrams. I don't know if you guys know that. And so we want you, you know, she's asked me to ask you to, you know, present a Venn diagram for why these midterm projections are so so dire. So thank you. Yeah, yeah so that's a really annoying dealing with the uh, talking point, Russia, with the allegation that you're regurgitating a Putin talking point. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Thank you. Amanda. Good morning. I think I got it right this time. I don't know what happened last time. Well, my fir first, I want to. I'm glad you guys are doing well this morning, you women, you people. And um, Rania, I want to point out something that I think is important that I am glad that you did, which is pointing out something that was missing today, which was mm -hmm. Ukraine. And it's not always obvious what's missing. So being able to notice what's missing and point it out is really helpful for those of us who are just bombarded with so many stories that were like, wait, there was something missing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so first, I just want to say that I really appreciate that kind of vision. Well, thank you. I appreciate the feedback. Not just because it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> And, and also the little peek behind the curtain about the microphone that somebody had written in. I mean, it, it pointed out to me how much of a difference a real professional microphone can make for somebody. So, yeah, I'm so sorry to everybody's no, ears no, for like the first apologize. 10 minutes of that. Yeah. No, no, no. Don't apologize. It, it was fixed and I learned something important. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and then I just wanted to make a quick observation because as I was watching all of the clips that you played, I kept thinking to myself, who are they making these stories for? I mean, when I'm going into the voting booth, I'm not thinking about whether the Democrats are going to hold the House or not. I'm thinking about who I'm going to vote for, for my, the seat that represents me. And if I'm already a Republican, I'm going to probably vote for the Republican. Or if I'm already a Democrat, I'm going to vote for the Democrat, probably. So who are these stories for? Are they for the elected officials and all the people they normally are talking to? Because doesn't seem like there's anything there for me as a voter. What do you yeah, guys think? Sure. 
What do you mean? Like the way that they're doing it on the news? Yeah. Yeah. And like who's watching? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I think the stories they're telling are partly like for people like them. Um, because I don't think what they're saying in those particular horse race stories like are having so much of an impact. I think maybe I know the media definitely has an impact on the way people think in the long term. But just before an election, that horse race stuff. Yeah, and it's all the same. They don't say anything new. And they don't say they don't really give real analysis. Like it's all this sort of pre like pre focus grouped terminology because like everybody is like some democratic uh like advisor or some like republican pollster and so they're there to give talking points that have been like tested on people um and everybody knows that like it's just so fake so yeah who is it for that's a really good question like who is all that for um i think some of it's like (laughs) self-indulgent yeah I just wanted to make one more quick observation that really bothered me. I think it was Kellyanne Conway when she was um, describing somebody that was running for governor. And and she said, like, they have a law enforcement slash military background. She didn't say the slash law enforcement military background. And I didn't hear the military background when she gave the CV and it might be there, but I don't like the linking of the law enforcement and military just as a as a thought experiment. That is not a good pairing in my. <laughs> I mean, right. that made me that creeped me out a little bit. So, I yeah, mean, that's a, that's a if, good point. and if Kamala, if Kamala is really, I mean, if the Democrats really think they're going to be using abortion for the elections it's extremely obvious in california the legislature put it a measure on the ballot they wouldn't even do it themselves the legislature in california they to put it on the ballot as as you know an amendment amendment one i think it is or whatever on the ballot in california to protect abortion why wouldn't the legislature just protect right. abortion yeah that's anyway. better Thank you. I appreciate the both of you. And Katie, good good call on getting Rania to fill in for Aaron. I really appreciate it. Good yeah, show. Thanks. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. And yeah, thank you, Katie. This was actually like a really fun and cool experience. Yeah. Um, glad to fill in whenever because I always love being on with you. Great. Yeah, me too. So much mutual admiration. It's almost I know. disgusting. So <laughs> All right, Laura. Thank you. Um, I'm actually calling from the Great White North up in Canada. So welcome. Enjoy your 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 guys' election tomorrow. I'll be watching and laughing. Um, <laughs> I I just wanted to call. I I've been watching your show quite some time, Katie, and I really appreciate you and your your um, breakdown of the news because you know although I do watch the the Sunday morning shows, you you help bring some humor back into my life. So that's that's what I love. Um, I just wanted to share my my you know crushing um, you know fears, which is that the Republicans will realize that Canadians are actually the one nationality that is the largest that are the um, uh, uh, you know illegal aliens in America oh, in America of of any one nationality. Canadians are the largest um, overstays and the largest legal aliens. So I'm worrying for the day that the GOP wants to build a wall on the northern border and make my tax dollars go to that. So that's my my crushing fear. Um, but fear. anyway, I say long, long time, long time listener, long time lover. 
and uh, I'm really sorry about what happened on on Rising with with your um, show. I was looking forward to that, but now now I have to watch Robbie Swabby every day. So that's that's my consolation prize. Yay! Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for uh, where in Canada. That's funny. That was funny. Um, so I'm actually originally out of Alberta, which is the province that's north of Montana. But right now I'm calling out of Toronto because I'm visiting for for a Tegan and Sarah concert that was canceled because everything in my life is great. Oh, um, nice. so yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Why is it canceled? Uh, well, apparently one of the one of the uh, singers Tegan got laryngitis, so I do wish her. Well, it's just I traveled halfway across my country oh, no. to visit them for a for a concert, and it was canceled. So, so that's that's how we roll. That's how it happens. And you know, I'll I'll be wishing you guys luck tomorrow. That's that's my honest hope. Thank you so much. Thanks for that solidarity. Okay, Brian. Brian, you there? Brian, 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 unmute yourself. By maybe, yeah, he maybe needs to unmute. Hitting the mic icon at the bottom right of your screen. If I disappear for a second, it's because I had to answer the door, by the way. I'm okay. just letting you know that from now. Great. It's going to ring in any moment. All right. All right, Brian, come back into the queue. And again, you just have to hit the, 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 the mic icon. Is it still at the bottom of the screen? It is, right? Yeah. All right. It still is. Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Just unmute yourself. Daniel. Daniel, unmute yourself. What's going on? Is it a glitch? A glitch in the matrix. It could be that. It happens sometimes. Oh, my God. Last time we were on? Was it last time? Oh, my God. People were staying on. Like, it was not. Oh, I have to. I have to go get the door. Okay. Okay. It was really funny though. All the you could hear people like coughing and yeah, it was interesting. Okay, let's go to um, hold on one second. Case study. Wait, let me let me go back in there. Hold on. Where are we? Yeah, case study. Hey, case study. Hey, can you hear hey. me? Yep. Okay. Very good. Very good. Much love to you. Much love to the chat and everybody. Um, I just wanted to ask you and forgive me if you uh, talked about this before um, about the Tiffany Cross getting fired and the power of Fox News talking heads. So just want to bring up the point that Glenn Beck, if you remember, Glenn Beck got Van Jones fired. You know, Van Jones was this unknown guy that he was the green jobs czar for right. President Obama at the time. Nobody knew who this guy was, but oh, I, I personally, my personal um, conspiracy theory is that somebody in the Obama um, White House who wasn't a progressive or uh, wasn't on that side of the you know spectrum was like, man, this Van Joe guy is just causing a lot of problems for me. Let me see if I can signal over to Fox News to get rid of him. And they got rid of him. Then you got uh, Shirley Sherrod got right. fired because of Glenn Beck. And now Tucker gets uh, Tiffany Cross fired. And I just wanted to know, uh, you know, Tiffany's not really a fire-breathing progressive, but 
you know, I would consider her somebody that probably would want Medicare for all. I would think, but actually I have no idea, but, um, yeah. What do you think about her getting fired, uh, recently? I honestly haven't followed it at all. I hope I didn't say anything too exciting. Hi, sorry. (laughs) Keep going. I interrupted. I just want everyone to know that I am listening now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, uh, I was wondering, maybe, do you know about Tiffany Cross uh, getting fired by any chance? Who? No, I guess not. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, this was a bad question then. I apologize. Um, but just to get you up to speed, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so just a couple of days ago, Tiffany Cross, who's a, a host on MSNBC every on the weekend show, like Saturday, Sunday. Um, I forgot exactly her time slot, but it's like, let's say it was like 10 a.m. or something. And her show started getting popular over 35% uh, raising um, ratings, 35% uh, since she's had that slot for two years. So it's becoming pretty popular uh, and she just got fired. So the speculation is that Tucker Carlson had a a segment that she, he talked about her. She responded and eventually MSNBC, I think they probably told her, hey, we don't want you responding or whatever. But then she also went on Charlemagne the God's show. Uh, he has a show on Comedy Central that mm-hmm. he she said that uh, Florida is like the, the penis of America. And, <laughs> and so that was another like maybe a vulgar comment that MSNBC executives did not like. And she got fired. So I, I was just I curious think, what you guys thought. I think that other people have said that before about Florida, too. Like, that's not even original. Yeah, it's uh, not even the controversial. Or controversial, it's just, yeah. It's, it's having fun. Mm-hmm. And apparently on MSNBC, you can't have fun. Or if Tucker attacks you, you're going to get fired. I feel like that would actually, that should do you, that should do like a good thing for your image at MSNBC yeah. if you're attacked by Tucker, right? Because he's like yeah. the the rival. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I saw that TYT covered it. And I know Jake pretty much offered her a job on the, the clip. And um, hopefully she's, I'm sure she'll probably get into the independent world or get another show somewhere else. Yeah, yeah so it was on 10 a.m. on no- to noon on Sundays. All right. There, I didn't there you know go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. Much love to you and uh, the chat. Apparently she said, she said, it looks like, wait, hold on. Let me just show what she said. She mm-hmm. said, um, hold on. Here's the actual quote. She said, Florida literally looks like the dick of the country, so let's get rid of Florida. Let's castrate Florida. Hmm. Wow. That's uh, heavy. Obviously, Tucker Carlson can say stuff like that on his show, and no one gets, yeah. <laughs> I've never heard someone say, let's castrate Florida. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Jesus Christ. And, uh, when I watched the video, it was actually Charlemagne that said, yeah, let's castrate uh, so, I mean, obviously, she so was the kidding. New York Post, shockingly, the New York Post messed up. Yeah, fake yeah. news. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Should have yeah, known yeah. better. Yeah. But much love to you all, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, you too. Thank you. Yeah, same to you. Okay, study. He gets says the best clips on Twitter. In fact, my most recent Katie Helper show clip, which is about uh, shocking racist Zionist, makes shocking confession. Yeah, I was actually shocked when I saw that. I mean, but actually, I I guess we shouldn't be shocked at this point by the far right in Israel. But I knew I I deemed that you. I know you would appreciate that. I want to cover. No, I I love. I love your clips. It actually makes like our jobs better and easier because it's like you got all the good clips for us, so we can talk shit about. 
what's yeah. on them. <laughs> That's what I try to do. That's everyone's got their job. The public play. service. It's a public <laughs> okay, service. I, 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 the, my philosophy in this left ecosystem, everyone has their part to pe- play. You know, Katie and you are both uh, very charismatic, so you guys have great shows. And and then I can provide the clips, and then we have other people that do other parts of this ecosystem. So as long as we all work together and we uh, fight for Medicare for all and all these progressive policies, I think that's what's the most insp- yep. important thing. Teamwork. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Oh, he's great. I actually hadn't interacted with him before. Oh, yeah. All right. And our last caller is Brian. Peace. Hi, Brian. How are you? Doing fantastic. Uh, another uh, great show. Great opportunity to uh, talk to both of you this afternoon. Um, my my question is in terms of the midterm elections and thinking about its implications for U.S policy towards uh, the the proxy war uh, with Russia and Ukraine um, is the the likelihood that the Republicans will at least take over one house of Congress and uh, we know McCarthy has uh, made the comments about uh, voters being uh, very tired of uh, continuing to give aid to Ukraine as we're in a recession even though you know he has supported the the military uh, aid to Ukraine, um, do you think the potential prospect that perhaps uh, uh, Republicans in Congress may not necessarily give a blank check to the the Biden administration uh, is causing the Biden administration to uh, you know send out some of these uh, overtures at least uh, behind the scenes that they're more willing to diplomatic negotiations than uh, they have previously uh, been so far, or is this, uh, you know, uh, not really going to amount to anything? Uh, do should we, you know, expect the Republicans to maybe still have their faction of members that complain about uh, war with uh, Russia and the military aid to Ukraine, but the leadership will go along with Biden's requests, and we'll just continue to see. Uh, an unending flow of weapons. How do you think the the midterms will uh, perhaps influence a a change in the Biden administration's policy or maybe not at all? So I don't know if me and Katie have the same position on this, but I think the fact that you're not hearing about Ukraine at all in the conversations about the midterms suggests that the policy on Ukraine will not change no matter who's in charge. Yeah, that's my personal take. I think Republicans know how to pay lip service, at least to dissatisfaction with it. But I don't think anything will change. And only some Republicans. It's not like the leadership yeah, yeah, is. Yeah. It's like a handful of them who are just kind of opportunistically using it as like an anti-Biden thing. But the second a Republican or the second Republicans have power, you're not going to hear the sort of marginal people like Marjorie Taylor Greene talking about, you know, how we shouldn't be funding weapons to Ukraine. That's going to go away because it's completely opportunistic. At the end of the day, you're not going to see that policy change. Uh even if a Republican president comes to power, like that is just the policy of the United States of America, no matter who's in charge. Unless, of course, like one day we don't have this horrible like duopoly that we're stuck with right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're I think you're probably right. I was trying to maybe see a silver lining that that doesn't exist because I hope <laughs> desperately hope we uh, don't get uh, drawn into a much larger conflict uh, that uh, is even worse than the, the the current state of affairs. But uh, I also know the reality, as you as you say, at both uh, sides of the aisle in U.S. politics. Even though they 
claim to be more polarized. The one thing that they can agree on is that we should continue to fund the military industrial complex. And uh, uh, the only time when there's a slight bit of opposition is when they want to uh, posture as if they oppose the uh, current administration, whether they're Republican or Democrat. But uh, uh, in the end, uh, the, the war machine uh, rolls on. I desperately hope that uh, the Biden administration will change course. Uh, thought maybe the midterm elections might be an opportunity to uh, to do that. But I think you're probably right, Rania, that uh, it really hasn't been much of an issue. Uh, we're un- inundated with campaign ads, uh, and I have yet to see any candidate. Um, and, you know, we're here and I'm in the Boston media market, so we get the New Hampshire uh, campaign ads in addition to some of the Massachusetts ads. And uh, Ukraine hasn't been mentioned once in any of the ads I've seen. So yeah. uh, I just don't think it's uh, a central issue to politicians and unfortunately it's not to voters uh we have a population that uh is asleep at the switch that isn't focusing in on this and uh um you know uh, hopefully you know uh at some point we'll, we'll we'll see some type of change but i'm afraid that both of you are probably right it won't come to anything uh substantial no no matter what happens tomorrow night it's yeah. really sad yeah well that is. Th- thanks for having me on the uh show katie and uh uh, I always uh, always appreciate uh, the uh, uh, programs that uh, you you put out in the media, and uh, look forward to talking with you again soon. Great, thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Okay, Eric is our last caller. Hi, Eric. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hey, great. Uh, it's nice to see you two together. And I'm a big fan of both of you. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think both of you would make excellent guests on the Adam Friedland show. I just want to mention. So yeah, I think glad to have it on. Um, that would be really cool. And oh, oh, my gosh, I have to ask both of you this question just because I think it's so rich and delicious. But um, did you see the little interaction, semi-interaction between Max Blumenthal and Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens and um, any take on all that? Because I thought that was um, quite the quite the little quite quite the bit of uh, uh, turnabout and fair play and back and forth. Of course, Ben Shapiro would never actually talk to Max Blumenthal, you know, on his show, probably. uh, But unless, you know, that wouldn't that be nice. But anyways, what do you guys think of that? that? Basically, Candace I Owens didn't see had it, retweeted no. Max Blumenthal, and Max Blumenthal had, had a tweet, you, the, just, you know, where um, reiterated in his position that Jewish Americans are quite successful in America, um, and that you know the ADL and in particular have a way of uh, you know doing a shakedown, you know, um, and you know and marginalizing, of course, Jewish figures like him. So Candace Owens retweets this. But Candace Owens uh, retweets this, what? and then what? Ben Shapiro screenshots it, I think, what? and says, Katie, you're um, breaking up. you know, it's, you oh. shouldn't be, in, of course, Ben Shapiro's oh. Candace Owens' boss, and he says, oh, you shouldn't be talking to people like Max Blumenthal. That shows that the conversation has become toxic, you know, basically, to certain, I'm paraphrasing. And then Candace Owens was like, well, why didn't you come to me for this, you know, to, to this, you know, but... And then Max retweeted, you know, Ben and was like, well, Ben, you're just uh, he had a really good line. It was um, you are a child actor, conservative child actor who's funded by billionaires or, you know, your whole career's fake. Um, but I, anyway, so I didn't I wasn't sure if you saw any of that, but that was pretty cool. I thought. 
different now. Let me see. Yeah, Katie, what's going on with your That's like, not me. Oh, there we go. Okay, I guess it was background noise maybe from Eric. Yeah, and now he's muted. Okay. Okay, here it is. Ready? I have it. So Max tweeted, we white American Jews are living through a golden age of power, affluence, and safety. Acceptance of this welcome reality threatens the entire Zionist enterprise from lobby fronts like the ADL to the state of Israel because Zionism relies on Jewish insecurity to justify itself. So that's what Max tweeted. Candace mm-hmm. Owen screenshot that and write, wrote, you are about to get into a lot of trouble for stating this, which is ridiculous because it's as if Max isn't already in trouble for stating stuff like this because she obviously doesn't know who he is. <laughs> uh, you are about to get into a lot of trouble for stating this. Reminds me of when I said something similar about the NAACP and BLM way oh, back God. then. When you disrupt the trauma economy and call out the non-profits <sighs> that benefit from it, you become their next target. Oh, and God. then Ben Shapiro writes, um, screenshots Candace's uh, response to Max and Max's original tweet. And Ben Shapiro writes, I think the ADL is a partisan hack organization too, but retweeting Max Blumenthal, who spends his life covering for Jew haters and stumping for Israel's destruction, makes the conversation significantly worse. It's garbage. And then Max's feelings were hurt. (laughs) Max meets neocon child actor Ben Shapiro has had his career astroturfed by corporate GOP power brokers, granting him notoriety and affluence while he trades on bogus anti-Semitism victimhood narratives. He perfectly embodies the phenomenon I described and runs the same hustle as the ADL. And I love how the author of a full-throated call for the full ethnic cleansing of Palestinians, including those who are citizens of Israel, is concerned that retweeting me makes the conversation worse. Because he wrote something, Ben Shapiro wrote a piece, transfer is not a dirty word. And he said... About ethnic cleansing, literally. Here's the bottom line. If you believe that the Jewish state has a right to exist, then you must allow Israel to transfer the Palestinians and the Israeli Arabs from Judea, Samaria, Gaza, and Israel proper. It's an ugly solution, but it's the only solution. Uh, Some might say a final solution. Yeah, I know. Seriously. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that sounds like a fun day on Twitter. I missed all that. Yeah, I'm too busy shedding followers because I don't. Elon Musk took over for some yeah. reason. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's interesting. I mean, I don't like that. I think you know, Max said sounds fair, though. I'm sure some people will twist that to say you don't care about anti-Semitism, which is right. real or whatever. But more importantly, what Candace Owens said sounds obnoxious because it's like you just can't compare those two things right. at all. Yeah. Um, there is like to just call to call like yeah is there an ngoization that's obnoxious of like the blm stuff and of like woke stuff absolutely and that's like really superficial and like the sort of neoliberal identity politics for sure but that's not the critique she was making oh not at all um and black people in america are still very much dealing with the remnant america's history of slavery and jim crow and all of the things that went on with that like went along with that uh, and to just call that like a, what did she call it? A trauma industry is yeah. so, is it actually kind of infuriating? Yeah. Um, and to connect that to something that like what the ADL well, does, which is, which is like lobbies for a little bit, the, which is uh, to an say, apartheid if she was state to maintain its apartheid like, status. The people who ran the specific like, BLM those two organization who ended up right. buying a lot of houses, Not at all, yeah. then I think, uh, it starts to resemble the ADL a little bit more, um, Yeah, but there's a difference between like there's a difference between enriching yourself because right. you're like being greedy 
and actually like using the power that you and your community have like to like to support a segregationist state that is every single day occupying an ethnically cleansing Palestinian. Like it's like those two things are very different and I just don't think they're comparable. Yes, is it wrong that like these like sort of NGO leaders of various BLM organizations enriched themselves? Sure, and that's a conversation that can totally yeah, but be had. Not, but right. but they're they do not. There's no APAC or ADL equivalent that right. in the elections and weaponizes uh, trauma to disenfranchise. To like hurt other people. Yeah, to yeah. disenfranchise other people. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. I just. Oh, okay. Yeah. What you said. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been a great episode. Thank you so much, Rania. Um, thank you for having me. You're, and one more, I just want to shout out one more time. Follow me on Colin. Make sure you follow my show, The Rania Kalik Show, so that you know when I go live. And thank you to Katie and to Aaron for uh, letting me guest host in this place today. It was really fun. Yeah, it was great. All right, awesome. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Don't forget to subscribe. Usefulidiots.substack.com youtube.com slash useful idiots and catch me i'll be doing some live election midterm coverage uh tomorrow night at uh youtube.com slash the katie halper show thanks everyone bye